What's one tool available to help save unborn babies' lives? Lots of people don't know about abortion pill reversal, so yeah. it's very wise for believers in the church to educate themselves about this whole opportunity to help save babies. And what's on your list of things to be thankful for? If this world is all that you have to look forward to, it is bleak. But for us as believers, we have a future this bright. Then a young couple looks back on what they've learned about adoption. I was so ready that I had pushed him over the edge, which is one of the reasons why I think he was not ready to adopt is because I had actually just, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing because I was ready to have kids. It's the weekend of November 18th and 19th. I'm Jeff Shambly, and this is The Stand Radio. anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 that's joseph parker host of the hour of intercession heard on afr for nearly 50 years he's been a pastor and for much of that time has been deeply involved in pro-life work and ministry there's a great article in the Stand Magazine on his pro-life work, and we want to talk about that. Pastor Joseph, welcome to the Stand Radio. Great to be with you today, Jeff. Fifty years in ministry, you must have been very, very young when you started. <laughs> kind of, uh, sort of. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us how you um, became involved in ministry to mothers and their unborn babies. Well, you know, Jeff, I think of this that um, I'd been a pastor for many years and knew about the life issue, but... It was actually in the early 90s when I just really, it really felt like the Lord put sort of what I'd call sort of a mantle on me to mm-hmm. really begin to address the issue, uh, the life issue period. But it was after having passed in the Delta for a number of years, uh, we saw a need along with other people who lived in the Delta for an additional pregnancy ministry. And there were discussions and people interested in the issue, but nothing was really moving forward. And at a certain point, I heard the Lord say very clearly, you do it. You start a pregnancy ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, to be honest, really wasn't looking to hear that because <laughs> it's something so big and different for me because I've been a pastor for quite a few years, but that was something different. But once we got clarity, that's what he wanted us to do. We embarked upon what I, I would call it a miraculous journey. Yeah. God in his grace and his mercy helped us to set up a 501c3 and a board and we started raising the monies for a mobile pregnancy ministry and the Lord miraculously helped us to raise a full 191000 to buy it and we bought it debt-free. Oh, wonderful. And we, my wonderful. wife, Birdie, and I drove it back to Mississippi a year ago this month, actually. Really? So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, I was going to ask you about that. That's really a milestone in the ministry. I mean, you've said for a long time, the fight for life is an ongoing battle. It's never yes. over. But this is a real milestone. And so what are you seeing in terms of, of um, its effect upon women uh, right now in the Delta? Well, the, the reality is, um, sadly, because of chemical abortion, uh, even though by God's grace, uh, basically, abortion is illegal in Mississippi, but because of chemical abortion, it still can happen actually in all 50 states. One of our most recent clients was a young lady who our director had the privilege of leading her to Christ, and she okay. had two of the abortion pills in her possession, but she chose not to use them. Well, again, that's too typical. Again, even in states where it's very much outlawed, sadly, 
women can still very much get the abortion pill. So it's it's one of those issues, Jeff, that there's such a need for the church to educate itself about the reality of what chemical abortion is and learn. It's important for people to learn the fact that abortion pill reversal is very much okay. available, a wonderful outreach for believers and the church to get involved with helping to administer. Let's focus upon that because that's an important topic. Uh, so the abortion pill, which most abortions use the, the chemical uh, to abort the child, mm-hmm. but there is a pill to reverse that. Tell us about that and what do people need to know about that? Well, Heartbeat International is a wonderful ministry that works with pregnancy clinics both in the U.S. and in other nations as well. And they help oversee a network whereby if a person simply calls their hotline, they can connect them with a doctor in their area or in their state or doctors that can administer the abortion pill reversal. And basically one of the reasons why that's so important to understand that is because if there possibly is any positive side to the reality of what chemical abortion is about is uh, typically, you know, just like with a surgical abortion, when the baby's gone, the baby's gone. But when it comes to chemical abortion, it's a two-pill regimen. And if a woman, say, she takes the first pill, but then maybe an hour or two later she regrets it, she's thinking, I've made a mistake, oh, what have I done? If caught within the first 24 to 48 hours, typically 60 to 70% of the time, the baby can be saved. And this has been being done for really, I think, probably around 10 years, but lots of people don't know about abortion pill reversal. So it's very wise for believers in the church to educate themselves about this whole opportunity to help save babies. We're going to give that 800 number at the end of the interview. And also, I'll give you the website now. It's abortionpillreversal.com. Uh, you can uh, you can write that down, abortionpillreversal.com. Uh, we'll give you the information that you need. They're very, very important to know about. Uh, Pastor Joseph, you speak in a lot of places. What is the attitude now among God's people when it comes to the need to protect the unborn? Well, I think lots of people have a concern, but I think there's a great need for the church to become much more prayerful and careful and passionate about the issue because, you know, just like the overturning of Roe v. Wade was a wonderful thing. It was a good thing. The The fact is Roe v. Wade should have never happened 50 years ago as it, you know, as it did. But thank the Lord that it finally was overturned. Yet I think too many seem to sort of have the impression that, well, the battle's kind of over, and it's really not at all mm. because the sad reality is because of chemical abortion, women in all 50 states can still get uh, abortion. So the need is for the church to educate themselves about how the how the battlefield has changed, mm-hmm. but to understand that the battle still rages and there are things churches very much can do to help save babies still. What are some practical things if someone's listening and they really don't even know where to begin, but they feel the, the burden as you have to protect the unborn? Where do you start? Well, a good starting place is always to pray and say, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And Lord, help me to be be wide open to whatever it is you want me to do, because probably if people are willing to pray and ask that Lord that question, God's going to give them some assignments because the need is so great. And again, we're talking about the murdering of innocent children. And sadly, yes, it still happens legally in our nation right up to this moment. So uh, a good starting place would be you start with prayer, but Find out where your local pregnancy clinic okay. is because pregnancy clinics are wonderful ministries that are out there that are giving free help to women who find themselves expecting a baby at a tough time. Typically, they, my experience is most pregnancy clinics are very poorly funded. 
Mm-hmm. They always need funding, typically. But also volunteer. Find out, say, hey, how can I help as a volunteer? Help provide free baby items, all kinds of things. And just asking them, how can I help, is typically a good, good starting place for your local pregnancy clinic. Learn about other ministries. There's a wonderful ministry called Love Life, which is a national pro-life ministry that helps churches become what is known as a house of refuge church. Okay. Basically a church that invites women let us help you walk and walk with you through this difficult pregnancy time in your life. And it's a wonderful way for churches to get much more aggressively involved with helping moms who find themselves expecting a baby at a tough time in their lives. And, of course, pastors can also recommend that their churches put a budget line item to support a local crisis pregnancy center. Exactly. I, yeah. That really should happen all over the place because okay. the fact is, you know— I, I hear people, they use the, they used to use the term parachurch ministries. I think we should throw that term out of our vocabulary because mm-hmm. they are the church. The pregnancy ministries are simply the hands and feet of Jesus. And mm-hmm. when the local church wow. connects with them, the church is just becoming more effective at helping them to carry out their responsibilities as the church in the community. If people would like to contact Pastor Joseph Parker, they can do that through the website deltapchc.org. That stands for Delta Pregnancy Care and Hope Center. Once again, deltapchc.org. And uh, there's also a great resource in the AFA Cultural Institute. It's a DVD entitled Equipping the Church to Stand Boldly for Life. Would be a great resource to get for your church library. Maybe a good step to begin. Uh, You can find that at resources.afa.net. I know a lot of resources we're giving. We'll put all of this on the podcast page. But I want to give that uh, abortion pill reversal website one more time. Abortionpillreversal.com. And the phone number is 877-558-0333. Pastor Joseph Parker, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jim. As we approach the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, oftentimes circumstances in our lives and in the world can cause us to be distracted from the real blessings that we have in Christ, and sometimes we need a little help to get our focus back. Well, Matthew White has written a very helpful article in this month's Stand magazine called Give Thanks, and he's here to tell us about it. Hi, Matthew. Good to be with you today. Great to have you. A uh, very helpful article, Giving Thanks, and in the article you list five ways or five principles and that we could focus on. Would you just kind of go through the first one for us? Yeah, um, so I... Uh, uh, encourage uh, believers to be thankful for his fatherly presence. Uh, That's God's fatherly presence. Uh, Not all people have a great father example in life, but uh, as as believers, we have uh, the best example. We have our heavenly father, uh, and, and what a blessing to be thankful for, to have God as our heavenly father. And you know, that's especially relevant uh, for those people who might be living apart from their fathers sure. or have an estranged relationship with their fathers, knowing that uh, that God is our Father. Great reason to be thankful. Uh, what about number two? Number two is uh, to be thankful for His faithful provision. Um, and that's something that we—it's easy— to be thankful for provision during the good times, um, you know, when we have the things that we need. But when things get a little difficult um, and we're having to rely more on the Lord, it can, you know, it can be a little more uh, challenging to be thankful. But God has always proven himself faithful and I always tell people that mm-hmm. the, the best way um, to know what a person is going to do is what they've done. 
Uh, you know, their track record. And as we look to God and his faithfulness throughout history, throughout all of his people in the Old Testament, the New Testament, God has always proven himself faithful. And if he's if he's always been reliable, if he's always been faithful, mm-hmm. then he's going to be reliable in the future too. So we can thank him for that provision and know that he's going to, you know, he's going to take care of us. So number one, God's fatherly presence uh, number two, reason to be thankful, God's faithful provision. What about number three? What's the third yeah, one? Uh, be thankful for his familial prescription. And by that, uh, I, I was thinking about a much broader context. Certainly, um, you know, I have six kids. I've got a big family, mm-hmm. a, you know, a beautiful wife. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the individual family unit. But I was thinking in a much broader context what a blessing it is to be a part of the body of Christ, the family yes. of God. Yeah. That's an amazing concept to me to think about how God takes all of the individuals, the individual family units or the individuals, and he brings us together with all of our our differences, mm. um, our different life experiences, our weaknesses, our strengths. And, of course, you know, the, the church is likened to a body um, throughout Scripture, and so he takes us as a body, uh, that that familial unit, and he can do amazing things with the body of Christ. That mm-hmm. that the family of God being adopted into that family is such an amazing concept to me. I'm so glad that you you included that in your list of reasons to be thankful, because many times we take the church body for granted, and we have de-emphasized the importance of membership in a local body. But that's a gift of God. That's a that's a grace gift of God that He's given us. Yeah, uh, we, I don't think we should look at that as um, as a requirement as much as the emphasis you're placing on it is that it is a gift. Yeah. It's a gift for us to be able, number one, to be granted access into mm. that family. Yes. The, the grace of God to adopt us mm. as sons, as children, mm. and and with all of that. Uh, it comes the inheritance that we get, you know, the inheritance. Um, the, there's a great inheritance there uh, being part of that family. But, yes, it is a gift, and it is a wonderful gift at that. All right. Well, let's go on to number four, fourth reason to be thankful. All right. Be thankful for his forgiveness. Mm. Um, and even as a pastor, as a as a Christian for many, many years now, I can look at myself, my sinful nature. I can look at my uh, human fleshly tendencies, and I understand that I don't, I do not deserve forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But forgiveness is not based off of whether we deserve it or not. Yeah, uh, it, it wouldn't be mercy and grace mm-hmm. if it if it was you know our own merit or anything that we did to deserve it. But it's precisely because of what Christ did for us on the cross that we can be forgiven mm-hmm. and and what a thing to be thankful for the forgiveness that offers us reconciliation to God the Father through Christ the Son so what you're saying is that Christians above all people should be thankful absolutely Christians <laughs> we have more to be thankful for than anybody else yeah, yeah that's good that's good. All right. Uh, number four, his forgiveness. Number five, what do you have for the fifth reason? Be thankful for the future mm. because anybody can look around at what's going on today with, with you know, as we talk today, there are threats of, of world war, um, external 
circumstances that we all face, that we go through daily, and, and we look around at the degradation of, of culture, we see the pervasiveness of wickedness in society, and it's enough to make anybody despair. Um, and, and so when you see that, you can understand why the world, why unbelievers, you can understand why they're in despair. Sure. Uh, because the future seems, it does seem bleak. Mm-hmm. And and if if this world is all that you have to look forward to, it is bleak. But for us as believers, we have a future that's bright. It, it's not bleak. It is a bright future. We have the promise of that inheritance mm-hmm. that I that I mentioned that that coming kingdom that we'll be part of, reigning with Him. We have uh, the eternal state one day to look forward to, the new heaven and the new earth. And so, um, though we don't understand it all and we we see it all dimly, yeah, you know, yeah. um, we have a wonderful, wonderful future to look forward to one day as believers despite what's going on in the world today. One final question. Okay. You're a father of six children. How do you, um, as a dad, foster an attitude of thanksgiving in your home? Yeah, I think it's important to uh, teach our children in that discipleship process. I try to help them to understand that all things come ultimately from God. So whether it's the good times mm-hmm. that we're naturally inclined to be thankful for, but even the trials of life, you know, God allows those things. And and so whether it's good, whether it's bad, all of that is God's way of refining us. It's God's way of, of molding us into the person he wants us to be to mm-hmm. conform us into the image of his dear son. And that's what it's all about. And so when we, when we shift our, focus toward that, we, you know, we, we set our gaze heavenward and we understand that that's the point of all of this, it will invoke in us a, a spirit of thankfulness or a heart of gratitude toward God for those things. Yeah. Well, Matthew, thank you for writing this article. It's a great article, great help for us as we approach the Thanksgiving season. Oh, amen. Thank you for having me on today. Once again, the name of the article is Give Thanks by Matthew White in this month's The Stand Magazine. November is National Adoption Month, and that's a good time to reflect on the need of children among us who are in need of care and a home. Currently, there are nearly 400,000 children and youth in the foster care system, and thankfully, many believers are living out the call to care for some of these children. Adam Suddeth is a producer here at American Family Radio. He and his wife, Amy, know full well the tremendous need that these children have. And we want to welcome Adam and Amy Suddeth to the Stan Radio. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Tell us about your family, Adam. Uh, Well, uh, my wife and I have uh, five wonderful children. Uh, They have all actually been adopted, three through foster care, and two that were private adoptions. And ages, Amy? Um, our oldest son, he is 18, and then we have four girls, wow. our poor son. Um, <laughs> our girls are 16, 12, almost 7, and 5. Wow, that's a wide age range. So tell me how you took on this calling, Adam, to uh, to become foster parents and adoptive parents. Well, uh, my wife wanted to have a, a honeymoon baby, but that never <laughs> happened. And then she also wanted to adopt mm-hmm. uh, very early on in our marriage. But I 
did not really want that. And so it took me almost 10 years to uh, of us being just a couple for me to realize that I could love an adopted child as if they were biologically or, or birthed through our natural means. And so uh, it actually was a focus on the family uh, radio program with uh, hmm. with Dr. Dobson, okay. and he and it just God pricked my heart and was like, yep, you can do this. You can actually love them th- that way. So that's when we uh, I came home and talked to Amy about it, and we – Started the process of, of being foster parents. This is uh, what year? What year would this be? Around? Uh, it would be uh, around uh, 2011, so okay. 2011. Okay, so Amy, you were already there mentally, emotionally, ready to adopt at that point. Absolutely, I was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that I was so ready that I had pushed him over the edge, mm. which is one of the reasons why I think he was not ready to adopt is because I had actually just, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing because I was ready to have kids. Mm. And we've been married for so long. I was like, I'm tired of it just being me sure, and you. Sure, sure. You know, and I guess it took somebody on the outside, you know, God saying, let me handle this. I got it, you know. Yeah. So you had to learn to back off just a little bit. I did. Yeah. I did. How has this whole process changed your life? And I know that we could probably go on an, another hour on on all of this. But looking back on your experiences back from 2011 to the current time, how are you different today um, because of your decision to adopt and foster? Well, uh, patience is one of them. I've had to have a lot more patience. Uh, I did not have patience when we first started. I was a hothead. I hmm. I. I did not deal with situations, and in a way, our roles have kind of reversed because I'm not with them as often as Amy, and so she she is not as patient with them as I am now. Okay, All is right. that not true? That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, what about you, Amy? How have you how have you changed um, in the, in this time? I think that when we first went into this, we had the mindset that we were doing them a favor. Okay. That we were taking them out of a situation that was going to help them. But what we didn't understand is the way that they looked at it is we were taking them from their family. They looked at it as we were we were pulling them from their family. Mm-hmm. And so we had to change our mindset that, you know, we're not we're not helping them the way that they think we are. And somewhere throughout that, they began to change the way that we looked at it to make us realize that, they were showing us what God does for us and how God adopts us. And through that, they it actually brought us closer to God. Okay. It did. And it, it, it changed our view of how we look at God, too. Um, it brought our family closer. It took a while, but our family has started over the years, has just got closer and closer as we've started changing the mindset of we're not rescuing them. We're not pulling them out of this. They're rescuing us. They changed our view. And so I think that it evolved us into making us realize, you know, don't feel pity for them. Mm-hmm. Just look at it as you're sharing your home with them. What do you wish someone had told you when you first decided to adopt and foster that you had to learn? What What is it? In other words, there may be people listening that are considering this, but they need to know some particular things uh, before they take that first step, Adam, what would what would that be? Do you think? Well, uh, one of the things that they actually did is they tried to 
allow us in our path training, uh, uh, parents are, I can't think of what the path uh, acronym means, but it's a training to help you to in your foster care uh, situation if you're going to foster to adopt or foster. Uh, the training was telling us a lot of these situations, and in our minds we were like, oh, that's not going to happen for us. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so looking back at it, we realized that they were trying to help us, but we were thinking, oh, we know this. We know what we got to do. We know <laughs> what we need to do. Right. So to pay attention to what they're saying, because a lot of times they're telling you realistically what's going to happen, even though in your mindset you're, like we were, going to rescue them. It's going to be okay. this glorious thing. It's going to be this great thing. We're we're going to just have – Give me know, sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, sure, that's, sure. I was, that was my term I was trying to find. I couldn't yeah. find it. So, yeah, so – the reality of it is not always beautiful, but the end result is always beautiful. Yeah. Amy, same thing for you? Um, don't go in there thinking they're going to love you right away. Okay. Don't go in there thinking that they're going to just come up and say, oh, hey, Mommy, I love you, because they're not. They're, they're going to be standoffish. They're going to try to test you um, because you're not their mom. They don't want you. It goes back to they don't want to be rescued. They're not your. They're not. You're not their mom. They're not your kids. That's what they feel, and be prepared to be rejected over and over mm. and over again, possibly continuously. Yeah. I mean, for years. Which is, I suppose, where you learn the grace of God. Absolutely. In, in all of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people care for orphans? Uh, in a practical way, maybe they're not able to uh, to foster, not able to adopt. Adam, what are some practical ways, especially maybe in a, a church setting, that people can care for uh, orphans? Well, naturally, uh, it's the cliche, but truly pray for those families that do choose to uh, foster or adopt or whatever their situation is, and it may be that they're taking in a grandchild or a niece or a nephew that has had some type of a traumatic uh, event in their life. And so just pray for them and then also show the patience that those children are not always going to be ideal children. They're not Mm -hmm. going to be the most well-behaved at times, but to love them anyway and love them through it. Good advice, good things to think about as we uh, observe National Adoption Month this month. I want to make you aware of a website. If you'd like to find out more about what it means to be a foster parent, perhaps you're considering adoption, the website CAFO.org. That's the Christian Alliance for Orphans. Once again, the website is CAFO.org. Adam and Amy, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you very much. Next week on The Stand Radio, Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis will be with us to talk about an outreach event going on in December that you might want your family to be a part of. And best-selling author and speaker Nancy Piercy will explain what's behind the idea of toxic masculinity and what the Bible says men were created to be. Also, we'll look at some creative ways to shop for Christmas and support gospel ministry at the same time. If you've missed a part of today's program or would like to know more about our guests, check out our podcast page at AFR.net slash podcast. And for important articles on culture, faith, and family, 
Get your free six-month subscription to The Stand magazine by going to afa.net slash the stand. Until next time, I'm Jeff Shambly. Thanks for listening.